Tell them Tip Told You Dot com The podcast about pop culture Black history and spirituality Yeah It's about to be a great vibe Dr. Tip Gonna take it away Tell them Tip Told You Hey y'all, hey, it's your girl Tip. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Tell Em Tip Told You. I'm so excited to uh, be with you today. I want to tell you about my overly emotional day on yesterday where I watched um, 40-year-old version and then followed that up with Lovecraft Country last night, um, the season finale, and just um, a common theme that I felt yesterday that I want to share with you between those two things. And then I also want to talk a little bit about uh, your brother at fault, which is Ice Cube, O'Shea Jackson rather. And then um, then I have my first porch women episode uh, for you that will be coming up after I I, I run through these things. Um, So let's just jump right in. So yesterday I was cleaning my room, trying to reorganize some things, and I turned on Netflix and turned to 40-year-old version. Now, just based on the ads and the pictures and the Netflix little trailer thing, I was like, oh, okay, this will be light watching for, you know, I'm doing some chores at the same time, folding clothes and that kind of thing. It's not a big deal. Man, can I tell you I cried through 75% of that yesterday. (laughs) I cried through 75% of that. Rada Blank did her thing with that film. She spoke to like parts of myself that I had not allowed myself to think about. I posted about it yesterday, last night on, um, on Instagram with the Zora Neale Hurston quote about mud puddles. And, um, essentially the quote says there are some people who look at mud puddles and see oceans with sailing ships. And I realized that I am one of those people that sees the, (laughs) the sailing ships, Um, on the mud puddle. And I have defined my career in such a way that I've defined it in a very normal way, right? This is a normal career education. This is what it looks like. But that's not really who I am. I'm the person who sees the ocean when I look at a mud puddle. And I realize that there are dreams that aren't, I won't say necessarily bigger, but that they are different from the life that I'm living now. And to see it play out on the screen in that way at my age with the issues that we have, black women at that age, it just, oh my gosh, it really, it really spoke to me. So if you haven't already seen it, please go watch it and then send me an email. Let's unpack it together because there is so much there. I think that we spend so much time allowing other people to define success for ourselves that we pursue their versions of success. And in so doing, we kill parts of ourselves over time. And we round those corners. We grind those parts of ourselves away in such a slow, steady way, a method that we're not always consciously aware until it hurts one day that that part of us is missing. Um, And so, yeah, just I don't have too much else to say other than make sure you, you tune into that. So I had that morning and I was already like exhausted, emotionally exhausted from that. And then Lovecraft Country, baby. I'm not going I'm, I'm to give a whole. I, you should have watched it, but I'm, I'm going to do my best not to give spoilers. Here's the thing, right? 
There is something about bringing them ancestral mothers together. Oh, baby, can't nothing stand against you. So I, I just wanted to say that, that that part really touched me. It also really touched me the idea of sacrifice. What it is, What is it that we will sacrifice and for whom? Right. And uh, if you tuned into the historic, uh, I'm sorry, the holistic training Friday, we talked about um, Ma'afa being a period of control where other people are defining things for, our, for us rather than us defining things for ourselves. I think there was a powerful moment when Tick sat down with Gia to define family in a certain kind of way. And I'm also <laughs> really glad that Misha allowed him to define grief because that's what a lot of us are carrying today based on uh, that season finale. So um, I want us to talk a little bit about the ancestral mothers and, and defining things for ourselves, even defining legacy, like what that looks like. Defining hell for oneself. Hannah thought that the fire was hell until she realized she was in complete control. Right. She gets she got to define that space that she had created. Sometimes we create things and we still allow other people to define it. And I think there was a beautiful message in that that we needed to pay attention to. And, you know, you have heard my dog is over here in the crate doing some kind of dance. So if y'all hear background noise, I don't know what's going on with him this morning. I'm about to put his butt outside if he don't get quiet. <laughs> but anyway, um. There is something about making space for yourself that was a common theme for me across 40-year-old version and Lovecraft Country last night. This idea that we create the spaces that make us feel safe and that when we're making these spaces, we are cognizant of how it affects other people, but essentially that space has to be made for us. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful concept. Um, now, I talked a little bit about the ancestral mothers. Let me, let me say this. Black men have um, irritated me a little bit this week. Some, because I've also been in love with some brothers who, who obviously can think their way out of a wet paper bag. Some of them can't. Uh, let me tell you what I'm frustrated by. This O'Shea Jackson foolishness. I'm not going to call him Ice Cube anymore because I, I believe that Ice Cube was a character he played for 30 years. I have a problem with O'Shea Jackson. More than the problem I have with O'Shea Jackson, which let, let me just say what I think his problem is. Ego. Ego. He had not, even in, in his current interviews, trying to rationalize and justify why he's tied his name, allowed his name to be tied to Trump's platinum plan. It was obvious in the interview with Roland Martin that he had not even read Trump's plan. Nor um, when in May, <laughs> the Democratic Party sent them his their 22-page plan, had he read that. And now he's trying to pretend that the Democratic Party didn't have a plan. And a brother on Twitter uh, it was sent to you. Like, we, we can see that post where it was sent to you. All right. So the 22, just say you didn't read it. The 22-page plan was sent to you. You know, you got angry because supposedly they wouldn't sit down with you until after election. Here's a secret that some of us may not know, and that is real political engagement happens after elections. Like, I would be suspicious of anyone sitting down with you in May of an election year to talk about policy. Like if they have not already planned policy, then they are pandering to you to get a vote. 
And worse than that, they are manipulating you so that you can pander to other black people to get a vote. And it has nothing to do with enacting change. Change happens outside of an election cycle. All right. I'm going to need I'm going to need these. Let me say this to my people. Ella Baker said it often. We don't need a leader. And we definitely don't need a leader. See, let me say this. In the United States, there is something called the myth of meritocracy. It is insidious and, and it conditions some of us to believe if you have large amounts of money, that somehow proves that you are intelligent. Um, no, <laughs> it does not. I, excuse me, O'Shea Jackson has no business speaking for black America. None. None. And these men all over social media, himself included, that hint at uh, the Democratic Party sat down with Cardi B. What's the problem with me sitting down with that? Listen, that's apples and oranges. She never pretended to speak for all of us. And it was a conversation. She did not tie her name to any political policy or plan for black America. And even if she had, which we now know she did not. But even if she had, what's the problem with that? You mad because it was a woman and not you? Like there's a whole lot of ego wrapped up in that and masculine ego wrapped up in that that we got to unpack a little bit. We can have excellence in our lanes and not speak for all of black people. If you want to be an activist, if you want to be a cultural spokesperson, I'm going to need you to do the work and actually speak to people, speak to our specific needs. Not all of our needs are economic. And the fact, like all of this seems to ignore the basic premise that Stokely Carmichael, Kwame Ture, said in response to King's nonviolent strategy. You can't negotiate with a country that has no moral conscience, right? That's what Ture said to King. Like, you can appeal to their higher character if they have character. How the heck... Are you on one hand saying Jackson is justified in sitting at the table to negotiate things with 45 when you've been paying attention to what 45 has done the last three and a half years? Like, do you are you really that naive? See, that doesn't make sense to me. Anyway, 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 those are the things I wanted to run through. Here's the part that I really want to share with you. So I had an opportunity to sit down with two of my very close friends, uh, Latrice and Denise Johnson, and I'm they're porch women. And I wanted to share their stories with you. So give me a second. Y'all listen to this interview and then tell me what you think. I am happy to have on the show today uh, two of my closest friends. I feel like they are true allies and comrades in education. And that's Denise and Latrice Johnson. Yay. Hi, Tiffany. I'm so happy y'all are here. And we got good news to share and all kind of stuff. Thank Um, you so much for having us. Thank you. Like I said, y'all, these are educators after my own heart. It's not just a job for them. It's a sacred calling and responsibility. And I am proud to count them as friends. And they don't know it, but I try to pattern my, I'm like, what would Denise do right now? What would Latrice do right now? Like, how would they approach this? I do do that in my personal and professional lives. I live my life. I'm like, what would Tiffany do? Right. (laughs) Let me call her. Yes. Let me call (laughs) Tiffany so she can connect me to the ancestors to see what decision I need to make. (laughs) We do what we need to do. I'm so excited. So I'm very intentional that they're our first guest as porch women um, because they're from the South and they are women after my own heart. And I wanted them to start off just talking about 
their new book that's out, The Mustache Twins. Can you tell us about the book and why you wrote it? Yes. Okay. So um, The Mustache Twins is actually The Mustache Twins, Storying Experience to Love Writing. Um, and about a year ago, near, I think our birthday, mm-hmm. and yeah. we were, we said, you know, we had been writing little parts of our story because we both teach Denise, you know, um, elementary and middle. And I taught high school and middle school. And we used to use our own stories to teach writing to our kids and they would be funny or, you know, sad or tragic. But um, for us, modeling those stories with our kids was everything, you know, remembering. And so um, I think we were just talking about something we had written um, and decided that we should put these little vignettes together into a book. And we had said, oh, we were just coming up with ideas like we can publish it on our birthday and, you know, come out with it and have a, you know, lunch or whatever. And that's what we did. We just got together. We decided on which memories we were going to story. We set up titles with Mm -hmm. each other and we thought about those memories together. Like, you know, uh, what would be interesting to tell someone else or what was funny to us. And we came up with these titles so that, uh, and then we assigned the titles to uh, one another. So, you know, I took certain titles and she took the others and we began to write. And we were, so you guys gave each other homework, huh? Yes. yes. And, <laughs> and a timeline. Right. Because we were like, we need this done within a year. And so like, did you write today? Write this or read this. So yeah. And then it came Full circle. Yeah. And I know this because of some backstory, but can you tell us how, um, actually, it, so this is a professional work, right? It's self-published, a professional work. You guys make sure you go out and get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but how it came from self-work, because I know you've mentioned before how it started off as like an internal project that became public. Yeah. So we decided together. So my research is around writing the self. I'm all about, you know, putting yourself in writing, leaving stories, leaving legacies, telling your own stories, right? And I I preach this to my kids, to my students. And to me. (laughs) And so, um, you know, that part was important that we just write our stories down, you know, um, that we leave our stories for our kids. And it wasn't necessarily Uh, for other people's viewing or for their consumption, but it really was about us remembering together, us undoing some, you know, some pain um, around just growing up, our mom, you know, so it, for us, it was really putting ourselves in writing in a way that allowed us to, to remember, to heal, uh, to laugh, to remember the joy in our life, because we are like in a moment, right? And everything feels so heavy and so, you know, harsh. But writing these stories felt easy and needed and like hard work. Yep. Hard work. I like that. Mm-hmm. It, it, and, you know, for me, I was pushed. So, you know, Latrice is the one who, you know, with the published work and things. And, you know, I just talk a good game. So, <laughs> this, <laughs> smart game, though. <laughs> but this has been an opportunity for me to actually push myself to become a better writer. So, you know, 
while Latrice is preaching these, you know, write yourself, write yourself into the world, um, I needed to do that. And I feel accomplished. You know, we really um, set out a goal and it made that goal happen. So yeah. one of the most powerful pieces in the, the book for me is that you declare that everybody's a writer, mm-hmm. right? And that we all have these stories that help us connect to one another. I think that's important. Oh, yeah. important. We also have to celebrate you guys because both of you have some big things going on. Mm-hmm. So Denise, tell us about um, SEED. Okay, so um, SEED it stands for Student Education Event Development. So um, I've partnered with The Vault, um, and The Vault is an art center um, centered around um, entrepreneurship, art, Uh, financial literacy for the community. So we partnered to create this resource center for children and families going through their virtual learning. So um, we do offer um, space for a homeschool collective, but on the side of that, we are a resource center for parents who need their child to be somewhere um, safe uh, while they are experiencing or going through their virtual learning. So we have a few public school children that come to the center uh, for a safe space to um, do their virtual learning, but also we offer um, extracurricular activities like gardening and art. So um, these children can, you know, still have their virtual learning, but have some kind of interaction with a few children and have some time to um, do some hands-on activities as well. I love that. So you guys are approaching the whole child, not just the academic parts, but understanding all of this education. And it's such a great space when I visited, you know, there's art up and there's a garden and it's just, it's a lovely space. And the kids look so happy just to be there. And they're able to move around the space as they would at home in a sense. They don't have to, we don't have a whole lot of permissions going on. They have to ask to use a restroom and things. They're really becoming um, what we want them to become, like self-regulated in their learning. And they're choosing what books they read and, you know, what activities they belong to. We take walks. Um, We're located in the city of East Point. Mm-hmm. So we take walks to City Hall and just, um, you know, talk and look and marvel and question. So the ch- children range from um, second grade to seventh grade and they interact so well together. It's just amazing to watch um, when learning can just happen without a whole lot of input from adults. Right. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. So Denise, if somebody is interested into learning more about that work and possibly enrolling their children, what do they need to do? So they can contact me um, at Denise Vaultseed, D-E-N-I-S-E, Vaultseed at gmail.com. And, you know, and I'll get back with them as soon as possible. Great. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes, guys. And then Latrice, we're also celebrating, you are an award winner this year. A national award, the Alan C. Purvis um, Award from the National Council for Teachers of English. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Tell us more about that. So it's for an article that I published um, just this year, actually, um, revealing the human and the writer. And it's about um, writing in secondary schools with Black children. So um, the award is usually given to what they... um, deem as the one that will have the greatest educational impact. So I'm actually, you know, quite honored and humbled by 
um, the experience because this is my second time winning this award. Um, and I just, right, Latrice you know, just humbly passed by that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I really, I, I'm, every time I think about it, I'm like, they could have given the award to anybody else. They could have said, you know, she already got it, but they really, you know, appreciate the work. And I appreciate that because, um, you know, just like I talk to my students about writing the self, even my research is a reflection of, you know, writing the self and, the work that I love to do with high school kids and um and, it, and it's for me just confirmation that I'm doing the right work um so right I am so appreciative of, of that and then Latrice also is a professor in residence I think you guys have a lot of overlap between you know we know your twins and stuff yeah. but there's also like a shared identity as well beyond just the physical look-alike mm -hmm. <laughs> where education is more inclusive and holistic. Tell us about your professor in residence, Therese. So um, I, I've located this space, actually. I had just started at um, the University of, of Alabama. And it's a, you know, all white academic space where I was not feeling like myself. Because in Atlanta, um, going to Emory, Morris Brown, Georgia State, I had learned that Black intellectualism is a thing, and Black scholarship is popping, um, but when I got to Alabama, I was just like, uh, where is it? So I found a Black high school and a principal who was awesome and amazing, and I said, can I please just hang out here? <laughs> I need somewhere to go where I can see Black people, and you know, Black people reading. So um, he let me hang out at the school and I met the teachers and I hung out there for a year um, and decided, oh, this is where I'm going to be. And I started conducting research um, and identifying like issues with students, with teachers. I founded a, a writing club. Um, I ended up putting my daughter in the school. I mean, you know. Um, which is a whole nother thing. But I ended up working with the flag corps. I ended up being PTA president, like all of these things. Um, so, you know, the professor in residence is one thing, but it really was my home, my, my professional, my scholarly home. Um, and I needed that as a scholar, you need to be around people that remind you that what you're doing is important and, or not even important, but necessary. And I just did not feel that in my own institution. So the professor in residence has been everything to my career. And it's really the reason why I can do the hard work. And, you know, people identify it as, you know, necessary or important. So, um, yeah, it's everything. And I, need, I know I need to write more about it so that people kind of understand what it is. But it really is more just home. So... So for, for listeners, you may be able to figure out now why I wanted them to be on the show. Um, recently, I've written about maroon mentality and that the tortoise always carries its own shell. We create what we need when we need it. And both mm -hmm. of you all have done that in terms of creating these educative spaces where we, mm -hmm. we get to imagine what our future is like. We get to imagine. So we're writing stories about our past. You guys talk about remembering and reinstituting the past. But I argue that you all are also helping to design a future by sharing those stories with our young people. And I'm and so appreciative. 
Oh my gosh. And of course, I'm getting chills because you make sense. Oh my God. Of what we do. <laughs> oh my God. I was getting chills too. I I'm like, what? Okay. That just really this carries a shell. It up. Oh my God. Thank you. I know. I, I mean, need to write that down. Me yeah, too. But, but do. that's, that's your strength, man. That's, I mean, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank this is what happens on the porch, right? You got these yeah. brilliant people who come together and we have to be able to claim that for ourselves. You know, we don't wait for other people to say we're brilliant and we got genius. Yeah. We're going to do it for ourselves. Yeah, and when is. we come together, it's like a system. We all put our pieces together and we all are better because of it. So yeah, I appreciate you for coming out and having a conversation with me. I'm so thankful. I just want to wrap up with the question that we're going to ask everybody. Okay. What is your fondest porch memory? Okay. So mine is um, making up dances on the porch. I remember specifically the song by Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam, Head to Toe. <laughs> yep. I even remember the move we had to it. And we would just play our little boom box. We probably had the song on tape where we recorded it off the radio and we made up a dance. Me and Denise, we probably had on our matching biking short outfit. <laughs> that's, you know, that's my favorite. So Atlanta. So yeah. <laughs> true. <laughs> and I think uh, my most fondest memory on the porch, well, we couldn't really have a lot of company on the inside. So we really did a lot of entertaining on the porch. Mm -hmm. Like we couldn't have, um, you know, people come in. Mom wasn't playing it. So, but we could have our friends um, who lived around the neighborhood. And we, we did a lot of entertaining on the porch, a lot of playing, a lot of pretending. Um, hanging out, um, boyfriends. boyfriends on the porch, first kisses and things, <laughs> um, baton twirling. So yeah. the porch was really like, you know, a playground for us. So, yep, I think and it was fun. Large. It was so it's, huge. It was big. It's yeah. huge. We had yeah. a big old porch. Beautiful porch. Nothing eat on it. No furniture. Just right. the porch. It's fun. Yep. Here's mm -hmm. to creating fun spaces yeah. in yeah. our own porches. You guys have classes coming up that'll be open to the public. How do people get in contact with you about those classes? Where should they um, send an, a message to? So um, we're developing courses around storing your own experiences. We'll have, um, we're also going to develop our website. Um, the classes will be available soon, probably in the next month or so, but they can email us at themustachetwins77 at gmail. And we will be putting... Um, you know, information out on our social media and Facebook. So, and the um, website is um, going to be created thanks to the Fulton County Creative Arts Grant. So I want to put them out there and thank them uh, for that as well. Great. I'm so excited. And of course, I'll be sharing information through my outlets as well um, to give folks more information about that. Make sure you go out to Amazon and purchase the Mustache Twins Storing Experience to Love Writing. Yay. I thank you guys. Thank, thank you. you. Love you. Love you too. So can you see why I love those people? I love these people. And I hope that you too, please reach out to them at the, um, the contact information they, they share. And do me a favor. If you enjoyed this segment, please send me an email at drtippettellemtiptoldyou.com and let me know. And if you'd like to be interviewed, let me know that too. Um, I thank you for joining me today, and I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your day. Tell them to told you. Bye, y'all.